Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello. Hello, hello. Welcome in to Jurgen Klinsmann's favorite soccer radio show. This is World Soccer Talk Radio coming to you live and direct via the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Special hello to all of our overseas listeners, our men and women serving overseas listening via the American Forces Network. Thanks for listening to us live on Sports Byline and in podcast form on demand. Tune in, iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. My name is Nate Abarea. Get at me on Twitter with the love mail and the hate mail that, after all these years, you are still so good at sending. My Twitter handle, at NateWST. Follow at Sports Byline USA for updates on the show. Very fun one for today. I'm excited about this guest. Her name is Allison Bender. She's going to have an expanded gig this summer with ESPN. You're going to be seeing a lot of her on ESPN FC. And once we get into the Euro 2016 slate in France this summer, you'll be seeing a whole lot and hearing a whole lot from Allison Bender. And many of you Chelsea fans out there, some of you carefree true blues who are fans of this show and fans of the Premier League, you might know Alison Bender quite well. She worked for quite a while at Chelsea TV, but fans of the Premier League as a whole, you'll also know Alison Bender from her time with the Premier League's global channel. So I cannot wait to talk with Alison about her new role with ESPN, all the stuff coming up with ESPN FC and the Euros this summer. And we're also going to have... A little drop-in from a man by the name of Martin Tyler. Had the great pleasure of interviewing Martin Tyler just a few months ago. And just a few days ago, we reached, to the day, it was April the 3rd, the 20th anniversary of what many people consider, Martin Tyler included, as the greatest match in Premier League history. And that was, of course, Liverpool 4, Newcastle 3 from back in April of 1996. We're going to get a little drop in from Martin Tyler and get a little flavor from that famous night, April the 3rd, 1996. Over 20 years ago, back when Liverpool and Newcastle were competing for Premier League titles. My goodness, feels like a long time ago. <laughs> we're back after this. World Soccer Talk Radio Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned. And then the game all on the sun. Oh, no, we're going to rock down to Electric Avenue. And then we'll take it higher. Oh, we're going to rock down to Electric Avenue. And then we'll take it higher. 
Welcome back in to the show, World Soccer Talk Radio, here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Nate Abaurea. Thank you so much for making this show part of your plan today, live here on Sports Byline or in podcast form via all the fantastic podcast outlets, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Our guest in this edition of the show Currently working for ESPN, but as we said in the opening, many of you carefree, true blues out there, you know her from Chelsea TV. She's also worked for a variety of other fantastic footballing outlets over the last few years. Allison Bender, welcome to the show. Hey, hi, Nate. How are you doing? I'm doing mighty fine, and uh, I think the best place to start would be for you to tell us about your new expanded role at the aforementioned worldwide leader in sports, (laughs) ESPN. Yeah, I mean it's an expanded role really because I've been I've been working for ESPN since 2004, which makes me feel real. Old. Um, but I've been doing various bits and bobs, uh, Champions League reporter back then. I was actually working at Real Madrid TV the first time I started working for ESPN, um, and more recently I've been doing stuff. Um, uh, well, <laughs> the fantastically named Weekend Bender. Um, a, a weekly segment, basically looking at the game of the weekend. Um, but my new role is busy, busy, busy. I'm going to be working most days. I'm going to be going to the Euros, um, hosting a show out there. I'm also going to be traveling to America um, a little bit later on during the Olympics. So really, really exciting. Um, and what I love about the role as well is it's not just Premier League football, because for a number of years I've been focusing on uh, various re- European leagues and world football. And, you know, I love football as a whole. So this gives me an opportunity to do, uh, you know, a little bit about all the leagues as well. Can we fine-tune the name of the Weekend Bender a little bit and actually call it the Puntastic Weekend Bender? I feel like that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? But, um, and it's, uh, it, it's funny, actually, because when we first kind of brainstormed the name, I was like, it's never going to catch on. It's so weird. <laughs> but it's amazing how many people actually come up to me and say, oh, you're the girl from the Weekend Bender. So, you know, it's stuck. So, hey. <laughs> Well, you're the girl from all the cleverly named shows, shows with all sorts of intriguing names. Tell us about Euro After Dark. Yeah, it's a funny one, actually, because um, when, we, when we were kind of like coming up with a name, um, we realized that because it's going to be summertime in Paris, in France, it's probably not going to be dark by the time <laughs> I actually do the show. Um, so maybe it should be called kind of uh, Dusk or something like that but um it was brilliant actually because we were in paris yesterday doing um some filming for the show and i'm really really excited i mean it, it was it was crazy because i left london it was miserable it was raining it was gray classic london stepped off the train the eurostar into paris glorious sunshine and i absolutely can't wait um but the show is going to be great fun because it's a daily show um it's going to be going through all the games of euro 2016 um but a slightly different take on it because obviously if you want to see the sort of the general analysis they will be doing that on ESPN but mine is a little bit fun what, what we're trying to do basically is make you feel like you're in Paris so we're going to have fan features or I say Paris but actually all over France we're going to be traveling um, to all the different stadiums we're going to be meeting with fans we're going to do loads of fun features loads of great interviews as well so it's going to be a little bit fun and my co-host is Craig Burley um, you might be familiar with him he's, he's a great laugh I've worked with him before. I call him my TV husband because I worked with him several years ago at Premier League. And he says what he means. Um, so no hold bars with uh, Craig. So he's, it's going to be a fun four and a half weeks in Paris, that's for sure. 
Oh, yes. Mincing words, not something that Craig Burley exactly knows how to do. He is as direct as they get. <laughs> One of my favorite interviews, actually, on this show from uh, the autumn of 2015. All you uh, folks who are fans of the World Soccer Talk Radio archives, be sure to go look up the, uh, the Craig Burley episode, some of the greatest story times that we've ever had here <laughs> on this program. So I very much look forward to seeing Allison Bender and Craig Burley partnering up this summer in France. And, and again, maybe we'll just have to start calling it Euros at dusk. That that has a very <laughs> very nice ring to it. It sounds like you know Paris in the thirties. Sounds sounds absolutely beautiful. Now on the flip side of this, Allison, we we have to talk about this because it is one of the main topics in regard to to Euro twenty sixteen, and that is concerns and and fears and concerns over whether it's fan safety, whether it's player safety, and the wake of of the Paris attacks from late last year. How concerned are you about that aspect of of the Euros this summer? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it is a real um, you know it brought a real shadow over over everything really. Um, what I would say is security is heightened. Everything's been stepped up. I noticed security actually coming into Paris already at the Eurostar um, and at football grounds in general. To be honest, I've never been search quite so thoroughly um, as, I, as I have been the last few weeks, um, you know, going through bags, also metal detecting searching and that kind of thing. And I mean, all I would say is, you know, when you have uh, an attack, uh, you know, at the level that we've seen in the Paris attacks, um, the security is so heightened. I know that ESPN are particularly going about their business to make sure that, uh, you know, their staff are extremely safe as well. And it is unfortunate the world we live in there, you know, there are these terrible fears all over the place and, you know, we can't let it stop us, basically. Um, it's going to be a fantastic tournament. Euro 2016 France is such a lover of football. Um, so, yeah, you know, be vigilant, I guess, but, you know, I'm not going to let it stop me enjoying my, uh, my, my time in, in Paris, that's for sure, and around France. Well, let's talk about the actual football coming up this summer. What are you most looking forward to football-wise, whether it's a certain group, whether it's a certain player, a certain storyline? What are you, Allison, most looking forward to about Euro 2016 on a football level? Yeah, good question, Nate. I mean, it's... Uh, OK, so I'm English, so obviously I'm particularly interested in watching England, um, particularly since they seem to be a really exciting new generation right now. Um, I, To be honest, I didn't have too many high hopes, and then I watched them play Germany. It was so exciting. Uh, Vardy and Kane look phenomenal. Whether Roy Hodgson's going to, you know, give them a chance, whether, Roy, uh, whether Wayne Rooney will come back, obviously after injury, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, Maybe leave Wayne Rooney. This England side look a lot more fresh, more youthful, more pressing. Um, so that's a big one. Um, I also think Belgium is such an interesting side. They've been called the dark horses for so many years. Now they are FIFA ranked number one. So really it is their time to perform. We were looking through the team and from front to back, they've got you know, a wealth of talent. Um, we were also talking the other day, actually, about uh, some of the phenomenal goalkeepers that are going to be in action over the summer. You've got Manuel Neuer of Germany. You've got Joe Hart, actually, who's doing really well um, with, with England. Um, Itali- Italy, of course, Buffon, who's been going for years. Italy are extreme underdogs um, under Conte as well. I'm particularly interested in that because I'm a Chelsea fan. 
So that'll be interesting to see how Italy get on. Petr Cech as well with the Czech Republic. There's so many great goalkeepers um, on show. Courtois as well for, for Belgium. So um, he has so many stories. And then the big players as well. I mean, I'm just watching in the background PSG right now against Manchester City and Zlatan, of course, um, scoring for fun. He's going to be one to watch and Cristiano Ronaldo for the big name players as well. And there's so many out there um, for us to get excited about. So I can't wait. All right, I got to go back to something that you touched on there. And you brought up the idea of Wayne Rooney being left off of the England squad and, and talk about a, a common topic of conversation over across the pond over there in England of late, especially in, in Manchester as well uh, with, with Manchester United fans discussing yep. what Wayne Rooney's real mindset is right now at the end of the Premier League season, supposedly really just getting ready for the Euros and a lot of... Uh, Manchester United fans' opinions. Never in a million years could Roy Hodgson possibly actually leave him off of the England squad or Allison? No. Could he? No, no. <laughs> I, think, I think you're right. I mean, that, to me, there's absolutely zero chance that he wouldn't, you know, that, that Wayne Rooney wouldn't be on the plane. I mean, Rooney will go for sure. Um, but there is, you know, there's a, there's a strong possibility, um, we could say right now. I mean, you've got to, you've got to play players who are on form. Actually, I'll tell you a little story. When Wayne Rooney was injured, I was actually with a Manchester United fan at the time, and I won't name him, and he went, yes, and I was quite shocked. I was like, that's a terrible thing to say. And he said, no, obviously, I'm not, I'm not upset that, um, you know, I'm not happy that Wayne Rooney's been injured, but what I'm happy about is I think that Manchester United will play better without him. Um, I think it will give some of the other players to have a chance. And I thought it was a little bit harsh, but, you know, having seen what's happened with England in his absence as well, and it's terrible because, you know, Wayne Rooney being so experienced, the captain having played for so many years at such a high level, the amount of caps that he's got as well, um, he's perhaps a little bit more... Uh, played than you know than many other players of his age so he you know he's almost beyond his years so maybe his time is coming to an end and you know if there wasn't anyone behind him it would be a different story but the fact that Harry Kane has had such a phenomenal season for Spurs the fact that Vardy is just absolutely killing it for Leicester um, you know there are other options that, that Roy Hodgson can look at I think it's a big dilemma it, it'll be fascinating to see what happens well, perhaps, and, and this is erring on the side of hopefulness for all of our Three Lions supporters listening to the show, perhaps the youthful exuberance within the squad that Allison speaks of, maybe a little of that can rub off on Wayne Rooney and it'll turn into 2005-era Wayne Rooney for one final summer in the Euros. <laughs> yeah. It'll be a delightful Scouse swan song in Paris for Wayne Rooney. We shall see. <laughs> Allison Bender is our guest. My name is Nate Abarea. We're back after this on World Soccer Talk Radio. All of you Chelsea fans, I suggest you stay tuned. It's going to be fun on the other side. Stay tuned. Cheers. and Alison Bender back here with you on World Soccer Talk Radio. And before we take that promised trip down Chelsea memory lane, which I, I have, I've told everybody about, so rest assured, folks, we will get to that. But I got to ask one final question, Alison, about mm. England in the Euros and specifically about one of the teams 
in their group, a specific match for England that has the entire United Kingdom buzzing. England and Wales going toe-to-toe at Euro 2016. Talk about what you personally are most looking forward to about that one. Oh, yeah. I absolutely can't wait. Um, It's funny, actually, because Chris Coleman was praying that that wouldn't be a draw that was made because he said it would be such a circus surrounding it. But we love a circus, uh, <laughs> journalists and presenters, because frankly, it gives us so much to talk about. The fans are going to be so passionate about this one. I mean, there's a lot of talk about whether, you know, it's England versus Gareth Bale, but I think it's really unfair to say that uh, Wales are a one-man team. And actually, they've got, they've got so much quality throughout this squad, but they also play as a team in this phenomenal um, togetherness. And that's, you know, why they've been able to qualify. Um, as well. So, I, I mean, this is going to be a great game. This is going to have a lot of build-up. Um, in the after-show, after-dark show, I should say, that we're doing, the Dusk. The Dusk <laughs> um, show, we're yes. definitely The Dusk show. We're definitely going to be doing um, lots of features on that one. So, um, it is worth me pointing out, actually, that um, this show is going to be on ESPNFC um, every single day, d- daily show. Um, and also, my, my role is going to be on uh, ESPN, F- uh, sorry, ESPNFC, the show on ESPN news that's a lot of espn's there <laughs> it's a whole lot of espn's there and yes as you said <laughs> yeah. your appearances on the fc faction of espn are definitely going to be uh, upping quite a bit and i have to ask you we already we already discussed the man who never minces words the great craig burley what do you think of of the rest of that crew over there at espn fc we've had just about every single one of them on this show for for an hour at a time what do you think about the espn fc crew allison Oh, they are such a great bunch, you know, um, seriously. So I, I go back, actually, with quite a few of them because Dan Thomas, um, one of the hosts of the shows, we were actually at Real Madrid TV together many, many years ago, um, back in 2004. So we, you know, we were like family, basically. Spent Christmases together because we were all out there, you know, making shows. So Dan is a really good friend of mine, um, and he's absolutely hilarious on the show. Shaka Hislop, he's just so brilliant. I mean, I went out to host the show in 2010, um, and I'm really excited actually about going back again. And I just like the banter. I mean, I love, I love the, you know, the, the fact that they just, they don't hold back, do they? Um, who else have we got there? Who am I forgetting? Remind me who else is on that show now. Well, let's see. We, we have another Hislop. fantastic Nichol, Scotsman by the name Stevie of Stevie Nichol. Nichol. Stevie Nichol, the man with the largest feet. In football, apparently, I'm told. I'm sure he did some kind of feature on that at one point as well. Um, he's a bit of a gentle giant, isn't he? But he's brilliant. Tommy Smith, of course. How can I forget about him? He's a legend. Everywhere I go, uh, if you ever go into New York and say you work for ESPN, Tommy Smith is the first name off everyone's lips. Um, and he's, uh, he's a gem. So looking forward to seeing the gang and working with them. Um, yeah, and Craig Burley, as I said, my television husband, um, he's one of the newest recruits there, but he fit right in. I knew he would. He's uh, definitely, <laughs> he's one of the lads, isn't he? Oh, a match made in television heaven. Alison Bender partnering up again with Craig Burley this summer. Euro after dark, or as we're calling it now, Euros at dusk in France 2016. <laughs> Real quick story to actually share about an interaction I had with Shaka Hislop just last week. I was looking up old tapes of my first time in England back in 1999, and I was at two out of five matches uh, that I went to in the Premier League during that trip. Shaka Hislop was actually in goal for West Ham for both of them. And he had a clean sheet in the first one at Villa Park. And then a couple of weeks Ah. later, Shaka had another clean sheet against Leicester 
at Filbert Street. And so I told Shaka the story. And the first thing that Shaka said back to me said, Nate, that's a great story. Where the hell were you for the rest of my career? <laughs> Brilliant. Classic. Hey, listen, I just forgot Paul Mariner as well. How could I forget Paul? Um, How could we forget an England World Cup score? Come exactly, on. Exactly. I know. And do you know what? I, um, Paul actually came over recently to London. And uh, we had a really, we had a lovely uh, lunch by the River Thames. So very very nice. So it was good to see him as well. So yeah, no, they're a great they're a great gang, and they've all uh, they've all they've got a good sort of understanding, haven't they? Oh, I've, I'm just thinking about lunch on the River Thames right now. You you, you have me fantasizing <laughs> about a nice a nice noontime meal on the River Thames. All right, let's stay in London. How how fitting. Let's stay in London. Let's head to Stamford Bridge and let's talk <laughs> about your time at Chelsea TV. You are a Chelsea supporter yourself. 2007 to 2014, you worked at Chelsea. So what a time to be at wow, the club. Yeah. It makes it makes this question. It must be rather difficult to answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What are your Depressing. favorite memories during that time? There's so many to choose from. There are, there are. Since I'm on an American station, I'm going to talk about my preseason tour uh, many years ago, back in, what, 2008, was it? And we came to America. Um, we stayed in L.A. and We were training at UCLA. That was just the most phenomenal trip. Uh, Jose Mourinho was manager at the time, uh, the first stint, of course. Um, Chelsea was successful uh, it was it was just a brilliant time to be at Chelsea TV I mean in the time that I was there I worked with so many different managers um, Andre Phyllis Boas Gus Hiddink um, uh, Avram Grant of course so many um, and it was you know so many happy times so many great trophies we were we were at Wembley so many times I went to many an FA Cup final Carling Cup final I was there for the trophy parade when the celery was being thrown I don't know if you know the celery story but maybe I'll leave you to to find that one out I <laughs> think I should fans. leave you to tell it on the show right now actually <laughs> well there's a little bit of a cheeky song it's a little bit rude actually probably too rude for radio so I will let you look that one up but um it's a very strange tradition that Chelsea fans throw celery um the story goes back to like one time some fans were late for a match and they they took a shortcut they ran through a field it was a field of celery they picked up the celery and when they got to the game they were throwing the celery but it's become I mean insane I mean there's so much celery. If it's a you know a cup final, or if it's the final day of the season, Chelsea are about to win the league. Celery will be thrown, um, and it's actually funny. I've got a little story for you. When I was working at Chelsea TV, they actually had um, a, a meeting, a really serious meeting, where police came in, and they were saying, you know, what are we going to do about this celery because people are getting hurt. And um, one of the policemen suggested that we should go to all the supermarkets in the local area and buy up all the celery. And the fans wouldn't have any celery to throw. Um, and it seems like a ridiculous story, and it is, but it, it's something that's stuck over the years. So, um, yeah, celery. I never thought I'd be talking about that tonight. I mean, was the celery made of, of partial cement? I mean, how, how were people getting injured by the celery? Honestly, I'm, I'm... I know it sounds ridiculous, but if you get flicked with a stem <laughs> of celery at a certain angle... A certain trajectory, it bruises. And me and Gigi Salmon, the other presenter at Chelsea TV, who were hosting on Cup Final Day, we were given umbrellas and we were having to use them <laughs> as shields. And I kid you not, the next morning we both had bruises on our legs. And these are fans who are supposedly, you know, the fans of our team. <laughs> Did you yourself ever throw any celery, Alison? 
never thrown any celery. You've never thrown any celery. And and I I just want to let you know that (laughs) you've thrown it back. Okay, okay. And I want to assure you that in in the over a year of of doing World Soccer Talk Radio, I have never asked that question before. No, no. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We've got about two minutes left here with you, Allison. And and what a a great time it is for you in your career. You're, You're such a hard worker. You've worked for so many different fantastic footballing outlets over the years, whether it's at Real Madrid, Chelsea TV, Sky, ESPN, and again, heading in to this big summer. And and the last question that I have to ask you is, this summer is more than just the Euros. Obviously, you're going to be so focused on on your role at Euro 2016, but you've got the Copa America Centenario featuring the likes of Messi and hopefully Neymar for Brazil uh, here taking place in the States this summer. You've got the Olympic Games down in Rio here later this summer. I mean, are, are we going to be a little overwhelmed with soccer this summer, Allison? Yeah, I think you're quite right. It's going to be so, so busy. And I think uh, that is going to be my complete focus, basically. I'm just going to be immersed in football. Um, I mean, I'm going to be in in France for four and a half weeks. That gives me a lot of time to be doing lots of planning um, ahead of what we can do on ESPN. And, you know, we're trying to kind of make it fun and, you know, really kind of available to people because it is, you know, a lot of it is internet-based. A lot of people are watching on their mobile. We're trying to come up with really nice, quick content that people can look at, you know, on their commute to work, that kind thing um and it's going to be fun um it's going to be we're going to come up with lots of ideas i'm going to get lots of interviews i've got some really good contacts as you say bit of a media um tart could i say i've been working for many channels over many years so i might as well might as well use all those contacts and you know bring espn some really fantastic content i'm really i'm really really looking forward to the new role it's brilliant well, I'm looking forward to seeing you and your television husband, Craig Burley, in full effect on ESPN this summer. Check her out on Twitter at Ali Bender TV. Allison Bender, thank you so much for joining us. And I look forward to Cheers, maybe, throwing some, maybe throwing some celery with you sometime soon. <laughs> yeah. Take care. Thanks very much. Again, that was Allison Bender. We're back after this on World Soccer Talk Radio. Throwing celery to the masses. Stay tuned. Martin Tyler dropping by after this. Dom Jimenez, the producer back in San Francisco, when, when he uses his his killer Russian accent to say, I'll cue you, it really, it really has me nervous because it almost sounds like I'm being threatened before I come back in to a segment. Thank you, Dom, for putting me at ease completely here for this final segment of World Soccer Talk Radio. Second to last segment. See, I'm all over the place now. See what you've done back there in the great city by the bay? I'm talking to you from San Diego, California, my new home, way down here. I practically live in Mexico. I've had a great time down here in San Diego getting to know the soccer culture of this beautiful city and have actually linked up with a great NPSL side in their inaugural season, the North County Battalion and a couple other teams here in the San Diego area. You've got Albion Pros, actually, who are in to the NPSL here in 2016. And next Saturday, April the 16th, if you are in the San Diego area, I strongly suggest that you stop by Del Norte High School on the north side of San Diego as the North County Battalion and Albion Pros go head-to-head for the first time in their competitive existences here 
in 2016, a true San Diego derby. You know, everyone's trying to figure out what do we call this game? You know, we, we have this rivalry. We already have this sort of heated, almost animosity feeling in the air. But is it really a derby yet if the two teams haven't played a competitive match? Well, all that is going to be put to rest on April the 16th. Albion pros coming to face North County Battalion. I cannot wait. I will be behind the play-by-play microphone for that one. And I say I practically live in Mexico. I've had the great pleasure and privilege over the uh, last few weeks since I've moved down here to head down to Tijuana a couple of times and go take in a Cholos match down there in TJ. And if you've never been to Estadio Caliente, I strongly suggest that you get down there. And it, it blows my mind. And, and look, we could do a whole show about the culture of Cholos and, and the culture of Tijuana and what it means to be Mexican-American. But one of the things that truly blew my mind is the stat that out of 27,000 people that were at the first game that I attended, which was uh, Cholos against Toluca back on March the 18th, out of 27,000 people that were at that match, 8,000 are from the American side of the border and are going home after the game. I mean, it's mind-blowing for me to think how much I... You've had to hear me so many times rant and rave about home teams and and what cultural geography means in sports, whether it's British football, whether it's American baseball. Your home team is your home team. It's this birthright, and and I'm all about it. And I I think back to growing up in in Santa Cruz County and and having the Giants and the A's, having the 49ers and the Raiders, having the the San Jose clash and earthquakes on on a soccer level, and, and how much those were my home teams. Well, what cracks me up is that Cholos right now are... 20 miles from where I'm speaking into a microphone, 20 miles from me at this moment, all those teams I just mentioned before the, the San Francisco, Oakland and San Jose teams from my childhood, they're at least 40, some 70, 80 miles away from me. I mean, Cholos are truly a, a San Diego home team. It just so happens that they're in another country. And the the idea of this Mexican-American side, it is oh so beautiful. I, I strongly encourage everybody uh, to get at me on Twitter to talk about the the Cholos situation and what they're doing to market themselves uh, to not only San Diego, but to Southern California and even America as a whole. If, if Chivas Guadalajara are the true Mexican team, then I think it's safe to say that Los Cholos Quintles are – the true Mexican-American team. You got tailgates in the parking lot. You got people enjoying themselves like they're at an American college football game. But then you also have banda bands rolling around. You got banda groups rolling around the parking lot, blaring horns and and playing the songs. And you truly feel like you're in Mexico. But then one minute you, you feel like you're just 20 miles from San Diego. Tijuana is an amazing place. I suggest everybody gets down to a Cholos match as soon as you can. All right. Last order of business here in this show. I promised this in the opening. April the 3rd just passed a few days ago. And April the 3rd, 2016, was the 20th anniversary, 20-year anniversary to the day of what many people consider the greatest match in the history of the Premier League, the modern 
Premier League in England. It was Liverpool 4, Newcastle 3 on April the 3rd, 2016. And I thought, what better time to dip into the World Soccer Talk Radio archives and go back to our conversation with one of my idols, a man who I grew up truly idolizing and I had to pinch myself many times during this interview. It's from August of 2015, from a few months back. It is the great Martin Tyler right here on World Soccer Talk Radio. And he was the man who, alongside his broadcasting partner at that time, Andy Gray, he was the man calling that Liverpool-Newcastle thriller back on April the 3rd, 1996. Why don't we dip on back to that show right now, Dom? World Soccer Talk Radio is back here with you on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. My name is Nate Abarea. We are joined by Martin Tyler in this edition of the show. And it is time to get a little nostalgic, as we always do here on World Soccer Talk Radio, and take this trip down Martin Tyler commentary memory lane. And we're going to start, Martin, with one that, that we've talked about uh, off air already for a few minutes. This is one that is so near and dear to my heart and, and the hearts of, of millions of other people around the world. But this was really my introduction to English football. And talk about getting a, a lucky stroke, you know, this, this being how I cut my teeth as a fan, not only of English football, but of Liverpool Football Club as well. April 3rd, 1996, Liverpool 4, Newcastle 3. It's called by many the greatest game of the Premier League era. It's called by some one of the greatest games in, in the history of, of English league football. You were calling this one with your good pal Andy Gray. Martin, what do you remember most about that night, April 3rd, 1996 at Anfield? I suppose Dan Collymore closing in, as I said in the commentary. I, I know the. I don't know my commentaries off by heart. I promise you, anything but. But uh, Stan Collymore is a, a radio presenter here now, and he opens his show every Saturday night with this clip of commentary. So I hear it almost every week, and um, it, it was the. It, it, for me, it was the, the greatest game that I've ever commentated. Um, there are plenty that have run it close because I've been very lucky to be in some fantastic um, uh, scenarios as, as a broadcaster. But um, this was right from the beginning, right to the last kick. It was two teams going for the title, and neither of which won the title, incidentally. Um, and people forget that Liverpool were going for the title. Newcastle were in almost pole position, and it was a real setback for them, particularly having been in a, a winning position during the match. Uh, the goal scorers, Robbie Fowler, scored a couple. Collymore got a couple. And Ginola, Ferdinand, and Aspria scored for Newcastle. All outstanding, outstanding players. And if I, I've got a moment, Nate, to tell you a very quick story about... Um, uh, how how enduring the memory of this is, is that um, at the World Cup opening game in Sao Paulo, uh, I actually was chatting to Stan Collymore in his capacity as a radio broadcaster um, before we went up to the um, uh, to the gantry to w- where we commentated from. And we went up in a lift. It was, it was a huge stadium in Sao Paulo. And uh, this was not a case of two... Uh, elderly gentleman not being able to walk up the stairs. We, and we couldn't go by stairs. We went in the lift of about five, five or six flights. And, uh, and as the lift doors opened on the other side of the lift already up there was Faustino Espria. And he looked at Stan Collymore and just, and he, he's not known Tino Espria for his command of English. He just looked at Stan and went, you cost me my medal. 
And that was, of course, a, 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 a reference to this game that you, you've rightly highlighted. Um, you know, at that time, so 18 years later. So it, I think it, it certainly showed that it had left an impact on pretty much everybody who was lucky enough to be in the stadium. It, it was all the elements of the, the beautiful game that we love so much all crammed into 90 minutes. Martin, it was such a ghostly night, and, and I watch the, the, the YouTube video of it you know, quite often. I still get that ghostly Anfield feel. I mean, you, you have Kevin Keegan. You have a Liverpool legend managing Newcastle, and then there's one clip that, that precedes the, the Collie Moore goaler. It's the buildup uh, to Collie Moore closing in, and that is Ian Rush and John Barnes, both in ulti late career stages, just with this bumbling two-man game down the middle yeah. of the pitch, and the commentary from you is so classic. It's it's Rush, Barnes, Rush, Barnes. Barnes. Still, yeah. it's still Russian Barnes. I mean, talk about the yeah. ghostly feel of that night and the fact that there were so many Liverpool legends not only in attendance but that were actually a part of that night. Yes, and. Kevin Keegan draped over the uh, the hoardings when the goal went in that sank his team. Um, there's an enduring image over here, and uh, uh, but the nice thing about it, uh, this may may or may be true or maybe not. But I like to believe that it's true that Kevin Keegan, who loved attacking football and, and uh, played it and managed with that kind of philosophy, um, they were about three quarters of the way back to to Newcastle after the game, which was a Wednesday night game, and obviously great disappointment in the Newcastle ranks then. And then suddenly Keegan chirped up and said, wow, what a game. What a game to be part of, with a smile on his face, and even in defeat. And I, and I think that sort of, they, had, they had a reunion game um, not that long ago. Uh, not everybody could play, but um, it meant that much. And, and, you know, if you've lost a game, you don't really want to go to play in a reunion game of it, but they all went, <laughs> uh, the Newcastle players. And uh, so... Um, yeah, very, very special. Um, and as a time here, it had a certain broadcasting aura about it because um, pay-per-view television or whatever you want to call it, I'm not sure how it equates to what your expression is. Um, we just we just call it sports channels over here now. But, you know, that they were new. Sky Sports, I was broadcasting for, and still broadcast for. Um, we'd only been going, the Premier League had only been going this three or four years and uh, and, and the, the audiences weren't great but they were building and building and, and this kind of game just um, you know the, the subscribers were phoning up afterwards and we want more we want more and <laughs> so it did it did a great deal for for football as a as a spectacle but it also um, it also helped um, the change in emphasis from um, what we had which was just terrestrial broadcasters into what, what we have today and uh, even that's changing now to, you know, obviously all the other outlets that you have for, for viewing. And uh, uh, it's extraordinary. I, I've been very lucky, just in passing to say this, to be um, able to come through all the different different phases. And all right, I'm perhaps not the biggest technophobe out there, but <laughs> I can, I can, you know, I can, I can follow things on social media and stuff like that now, which uh, people of my age usually have a bit of trouble doing. But it's been it's been a, a real explosion for for the communications industry per se, but also obviously football's played a big part in in making it um, desirable for everybody. Yeah? Well, uh, one of my favorite add-ons uh, to that Liverpool-Newcastle match is that the 
next the, the fixture the next season in 1997 was Liverpool <laughs> 4, Newcastle 3. Liverpool actually in entirely different circumstances, blowing a 3-0 lead yeah. and then scoring, uh, scoring the fourth in, in stoppage time in front of the cop. And who was managing Newcastle that season? Another Liverpool legend named King Kenny Dalglish. King it's absolutely Dalglish, yeah. incredible. You, and, couldn't, and, you couldn't make it up, could you? But I, I didn't do that game. I watched it on the television. It was uh, one of my colleagues who's a commentator on it. But I'm in the old before. Well, we had a similar scenario last weekend here when um, uh, Liverpool had lost 6-1 at Stoke on the last day of last season, as you well, well know, probably trying to erase from your memory. <laughs> um, and what were the odds were it going to be 6-1 to Stoke this time around um, on the first day of this season? And, of course, it was nowhere near that. And you had a happier outcome as a Liverpool supporter um, with, with Coutinho's wonderful winning goal. So, um, yeah, that was that was an extraordinary doubleheader, really. But, as I say, I'm... I'm I was only privileged to be in the ground for the first one. Well, yeah, and, and thank goodness for the little Brazilian magician. Thank you to Martin Tyler for that. And Dom Jimenez, producer extraordinaire, back in the studio in San Francisco. I think we're going to be able to do this. Let's take this to break in the only way that we should. And that is with Stan Collymore closing in. Let's let Martin Tyler take us to break, Dom. Andy hanging on for man of the match. Bombs. Rush. Bombs. Are we going to be able to have Stan Collymore closing in? Is it one of these moments? Can we get Collymore closing in? this edition of World Soccer Talk Radio, and this has been an absolute blast of a show. I want to go back to something that Martin Tyler actually touched on in regards to this Liverpool-Newcastle match that we just celebrated the 20th anniversary of the uh, famous 4-3 victory for Liverpool back on April the 3rd, 1996. In this era where there are literally billions of dollars floating around the world in regards to Premier League television rights, think about what Martin Tyler said as far as the influence of that game on paid subscriptions to Premier League television around the world. Go back and listen a little closer to that. It is a very, very interesting place to go with that. The influence that that match actually had on television rights for years to come. Thanks to Martin Tyler. Thanks to Allison Bender. Throwing celery forever. A carefree true blue through and through. And check her out with her television husband, Craig Burley, this summer on Euros After Dark and all of her work with ESPN. My name is Nate Abarea, signing off from San Diego, California. Have a great rest of your footballing day. Bye for now. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.